Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles, and today it's the 400th episode of the Apple Insider Show, and so we're so glad you're with us. We're going to talk about the tap-to-pay announcement from Apple, Reality OS that leaked in the App Store logs, and a possible March 8th event. This episode is brought to you by Grammarly and Masterclass. You'll hear about those in a moment. And joining me for the quadricentennial, I don't I should have looked up the term, but joining me for the 400th episode of this show, William Gallagher. How's it going, William? I'm quite fascinated. Actually, you say the 400th. That's a re- and it's not a very British way of saying it. You would say the 400th or something, but I like that. 400th. 4th. That's Oh, that sounds special. I like Well, I mean it is special. It's 400. Look at that. It is very special. Look what you've done. Yes. It is a huge number. And, you know, I had the privilege of starting this podcast back in 2015, I believe. Wow. So if you listen to the first, I think, 10 or 12 episodes, you'll hear me on those at the very beginning. They're still there. Those files are still active. But man, it is seven years later, 400 episodes later. Pretty wild. So thank you, William. And thank to Wes and Mike and everyone at Apple Insider because, uh, man, 400 episodes. That's a long run. Yeah. It's a long run. And Victor Marks, who was doing it when you were away and yes. things, and all the people from Apple Insider have been around a lot. It's, um, yeah, it's going quite well, isn't it, it really? We should probably give it a few more episodes before we decide whether we like it. <laughs> you know? It's going very well. And the reason why is because you listeners, as you listen to this show, it's thanks to you. You know, you guys listen and you've been faithfully listening. There's more of you joining all the time. There's been lots of five-star reviews, which has helped us climb the charts. We're frequently in the top 30 to 40 tech shows here in the U.S., even higher in Britain and Canada. I think you guys are, are on the ball over there in the, the other countries across the pond. And then, I don't know, what do you call Canada? Across the tundra? I think we call Canada gorgeous. I love Canada. Mm, yes. That is yes. true. That is true. It is gorgeous. It's probably a little cold up there right now. Well, yes. yes. <laughs> also gorgeous. And speaking of listeners who have been faithful, you know, we've been doing shout outs to those who have given us five star reviews in the Apple Podcasts app. And so I wanted to give a shout out. There was a number of you. You guys are showing up. Thank you. Dubai Golf Pro from Great Britain. Oh, this guy's from uh, right. your, your neck of the woods. Give a five-star review. That's right. This, uh, I'm not, I don't know if this is a name or initials, but J-V-V-U-U-R-J. You know, Apple Podcast has weird mm. usernames. But from New Zealand, thank you for a five-star rating. Brand 2020, also from Great Britain. Tony, there's a lot of a lot of over there in Great Britain listening to the show. We've got taste. What can I say? Frankly, that is very yeah. true. That's very true. Uh, except for the Ted Lasso thing, but I think that's just you, William. I think every <laughs> other, every other Great Britain. I think we've done other worse things, but yes, okay, I'll go with that. So yeah, Brian, <laughs> yes, twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah. Yes, go you and do go, 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 golf pro. Yes, yes, thank you. Go with it. And then uh, Johnson K L seven WWE W two S and. C-O-B-R-S-K. I don't even know if these are names, but for all from the USA, you guys have been awesome. Thank you for those and keep them coming. We're going to do shout outs at the beginning of every episode for those five star ratings and reviews. What do you call, William, group of people from Great Britain? You know, it's Americans, you know, people from America. We just say they're Americans. I know Canadians. Is it Great Britainites? Is uh, it just the British? The British, I suppose. Although people in the Scotland British. and Wales and Northern Ireland could well have uh, reason to object to that. But overall, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure British covers it. As much as anybody talks about us anymore in the world, British is what they say. Right, right. Very good. Well, yes, once again, uh, thank you again, William, and for everyone, Victor Marks, Wes, Mike, everybody. 400 episodes. Yeah. Monumental. So thank you all. And thank you, listeners. Before we jump into all the news, Apple actually issued a press release specifically about AirTag and unwanted tracking. In the press release, Apple said that there will be new features added to AirTag to prevent that unwanted tracking, like new privacy warnings during AirTag setup, 
precision finding for an air tag that actually isn't yours. So if you get that warning that an air tag has been following you, you'll be able to use precision finding to see exactly where it is. There's display alert with sound and refining that unwanted tracking alert logic, especially like when you leave AirPods or if there's another set of AirPods with a friend or family member traveling with you. A lot of time you can get those warnings that say an unknown device has been tracking you. They're going to update those so it's clearer to know exactly what is around you at any given point. So welcome updates to AirTag. We'll put a link to the article in the show notes as well. So let's get into the news because Apple actually announced stuff this week, which was very exciting. This was a rumored feature we had covered a couple weeks ago, but Apple officially announced the tap to pay feature that will be coming to iPhone later this year. Tap to pay meaning you'll actually be able to use your iPhone as a payment gateway where you can accept Apple Pay or any contactless payments right on the iPhone. You won't need any kind of other device. If you've used like Square, PayPal, or even Stripe, you know, there's like these devices that used to plug into the headphone jack. And now you can get like Bluetooth devices like the Square card reader where you could accept NFC payments. Well, you don't need any of those devices anymore. Once this comes out, you'll be able to just use your iPhone as the payment receiver. And so someone could tap their iPhone or Apple Watch to your iPhone and you accept a payment. It will be available to third parties. Stripe has already announced a beta program where they're going to be doing a closed beta testing this tap to pay feature. And it looks like tap to pay might actually be coming in iOS 15.4. It showed up in the 15.4 beta. So I think this is very exciting, William, especially for business owners. You don't need any you know, third-party device, keep something charged. It's pretty sweet. I have a small concern, which is I do know people who see contactless as a challenge. <laughs> okay. They whack their phones against the readers and things. And uh-huh. I, I don't want somebody whacking their iPhone against my iPhone. <laughs> no, no. You know, I'll be curious. In the Apple stores, I know if you had went to, and you wanted to pay for something or buy something in an Apple store, they had these either old iPhones like an SE or an 8 or something, and they would have this weird contraption on the back for the NFC payment mm. where they would, you know, it's like this huge point of sale system that they carried with them. I wonder if they'll just, that'll go away and they'll just have a straight iPhone. Oh, yeah? And they'll probably still need it for, you know, if someone has a physical credit card and they want to pay like that. Oh, good point. But, yes, that's yeah. true. But otherwise, I mean, it'd be pretty sweet. I don't know. Have you ever done the thing, William, where you use the Apple Store app to buy something just by yourself and then you walk out with the item in your hand? No, I haven't. <laughs> I haven't got the nerve. Okay. I'd, I've done it like once. Oh, I think it was for like a case or a cable. It was something cheap. I wasn't about to do something expensive. And I kind of like held it up over my head as I walked through the store with my iPhone receipt on the screen in my other <laughs> hand, holding it up, like going to every Apple employee, like I paid for it. Here's the proof, you know, oh, don't worry. Wimp. But you should at least have brazen do that. I mean, you were fully legitimate there. You should at least have taken charge uh, and doing it. But I, I would be, the, I'd be the same if I wasn't wimpier and hadn't had the nerve to do it at all. So there we go. <laughs> I, w- I want to know if there's any apple store employees listening what i want to know is if someone does that does some notification show up on like all the apple store employee devices letting them know a transaction happened Hmm. so if they see someone walking out of the store with an item they don't have to like stop and ask them because you know apple stores now i don't know if you've been to one recently william but they have like apple security people with like special security shirts there's lots of employees like it's pretty locked down And I don't know, I always just wondered, like, are they notified somehow that, oh, someone made a payment? If you see somebody walking out in a a black T-shirt, you know, because they'll do that sometimes. They'll have descriptors of clothing and such for Genius Bar appointments or whatever. So, you know, employees can tell who's who. I'm just curious. I'm curious if there's some kind of notification to the employees. 
There was also an update, William. We had talked about the limit over there in the UK oh, for yeah. contactless payments. And it appears that if you're using Apple Pay or an NFC type uh, payment, like with your iPhone, that there's not a limit, but there is a limit if you use a, cr- a physical credit card as a tap to pay thing. Did I get that right? Well, that's what we've been hearing, but I'm, I'm curious about because obviously I'm in the UK and I uh, had a disturbingly expensive car repair recently and without thinking mm. i went i just put my watch on the terminal and it went no not having that oh really yes and i was required to put in a card for it and to have to remember what my pin number was i think <laughs> so it's it's muddy isn't it uh, how all this is going on but at least it works here for most things that i buy and things so so there was a limit then that you experienced even with apple pay specifically yeah but i couldn't tell you what it was i i could tell you what the amount for the car repair was but i'd cry so mm. you know it's below that kind of thing do you want to tell us your pin number on the air so we can have it on record in case you ever need us to remind you oh that'd be really handy yeah, yeah. nine two four six <laughs> <laughs> it's like wait a minute how do you know my pin number? No, I'm just kidding. That's not mine. <laughs> Actually, sorry. <laughs> you guess? So, uh, one thought, speaking about UK stuff, I realized um, Apple's announcement of tap to pay they were very specific to point out that it will be enabled for US merchants. And right. you, mean, you understand starting in the States rolling out. Of course, it's Apple. They're based in the US. What else would they do? But it does seem to me that there can't be much stopping it working everywhere, particularly in the UK where we have contactless payments that have worked so well right from the start. So curious to know what the limit is and when we'll get it and whether one day we'll also get the Apple card, but that's another story. I know I was gonna say, I would say, yeah, surely it'll come quickly, but then Apple card, still not yet. I don't understand. Two and a half years. Oh, that's uh, been that, that long? Came out, would you believe, yeah. Wow. Shocking, isn't it? And it, well, I, I don't mean to rub it in, but I actually, the, myself and some other <laughs> listeners, <laughs> just sorry, tweeted out that apparently some credit limits were increased without any kind of request. My Apple card actually got an email and it said, your limit is increased to such and such. I assumed it was because the Mac Pro with Apple Silicon will be released soon and Apple's just getting everybody ready to spend as much money as possible. But Fair enough. Yeah, that's what I got. God, can you imagine the uh, cashback on a Apple Silicon Mac Pro? That's got to be worth an iPhone or something. Yeah, I That's mean, it would. you could get those wheels for it. You could probably yes. at least buy the wheels. <laughs> That's it. So along with tap to pay that was also found in the iOS 15.4 beta 2, there were some other updates to iOS 15.4 that are extremely welcome. First of all, shortcut notifications. If you have shortcuts automations on your iPhone, you'll know that notifications pop up with every automation that is run. So whether you have a time notification, like time of day, or you have some kind of location-based notification, you get notifications every time one of those automations run. And in iOS 15.4, you'll be able to toggle those off so you don't have to get all those automation notifications. And William, I am so looking forward to that. It's almost tempting me to go to the beta on my iPhone, which I haven't done. I did it on my Mac and my iPad to try universal control, but not my iPhone yet. But man, that is tempting. Do you get a lot of those notifications during the day? Yes. I did the same as you, by the way, uh, iPad and my MacBook Pro, I moved on to be specifically to try universal control. And it's just magical, oh, yeah. isn't it? But now I am tempted by the... Uh, I do remember ages ago when Windows Vista came out, there was a very funny Apple ads going on about the security thing of, I can't remember the phrase, Mac wants to say something, allow or deny or something over and over again. And I feel like we're now living what Apple was mocking then with Windows Vista. So <laughs> Windows was right. ahead of the game. 
I meant to ask you, Universal Control, have you used it with that massive wide monitor no. that you, you have <laughs> no, on your desk? Uh, it's on my MacBook Pro and the iPads. I haven't risked oh, Mac okay. Mini yet. I, think, I mean, this is going to sound odd, but it, it's incredible. And I don't know that I'll ever use it. I looked at it and I thought, oh, that's just wow. I don't need it. <laughs> so I've tried mm. that a couple of times and I haven't done it. <laughs> Since I, I have no genuine use case in the last week or so, or whatever long it is, I've been trying it out to do it. I mean, there must be, there's got to be, but I haven't found it yet. So I, th I think Wes, you know, his setup in particular, because he already has like iPads out and on just in perpetuity along with his Mac. Mm. And so I think for a setup like that, it'd be more useful. When I have a larger desk, I might leave an iPad open and see if I use it more often, but it is definitely just works so well yes. even in a first beta so yes kudos obviously to apple that's pretty awesome also in the ios 15.4 beta 2 is another mention of wallet and wallet and driver's license ids again here in the us at least this is a feature that apple announced way back at wwdc but we have yet to see it launch anywhere and so it looks like maybe 15.4 beta 2 will finally get digital ids in the wallet app on iphone i will say here in florida I looked at the Florida DMV or whatever the driver's license organization is down here. And they said months ago that digital IDs will launch as soon as, quote, November. And it's February and there's still no mention of it. And uh, I've, e I've emailed the organization like multiple times. I don't even know where those emails go. I think they go into the <laughs> just right in the trash can. I don't know. But there's still no word, at least here in Florida, of when it's actually going to launch. They've been promising it for months, though. So, And this is not something that was coming to the UK, right? No, seemingly not. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> why do I look forward to this podcast? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So many features. I, don't, well, I mean, I guess not so many, but I guess anything to do with IDs and payments. Just does, it just doesn't come there quickly, I guess, because of the bank stuff. They have to work with other organizations like that. Well, I mean, remember, it's the other way around with Apple Pay and contactless stuff. We had it instantly everywhere. And that's a big deal right. for me. That's a bit always surprises me about America, that when you hear an announcement of another bank supporting it, just for a second, I think they didn't already. Why not? But right. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, but Apple Card and Tap to Pay. All the fun stuff. Do you, do you guys have, because when Apple Pay first launched, I know there was a lot of like credit union type banks here in the States that took forever to adopt Apple Pay. Do you guys have like individual credit unions that are just regional or even like citywide? Not really. I mean, not that I noticed if we did. We have, I think, called a building society, which is not quite technically not quite the same as a bank, but might as well be. Works in the same way. Um, right, right. But nobody objected. Everybody just did it right. we fell into line because we'd already fallen into line with contactless and stuff which has become just normal yeah here right from the start well and also the big feature which we've talked about is the face id with mask unlock where you'll be able to use face id even if you don't have an apple watch remember this is different this is actually just face id even if you're wearing a mask you'll be able to train it with multiple pairs of glasses and multiple looks so it will unlock even if you're wearing a mask they do warn that the security will be a little less and because I have the Apple Watch and the Apple Watch mask unlock works pretty well, I don't know if I'm going to turn this on just because the watch thing works so well. Are you going to turn this on when it comes? No, I mean, I'm curious to see it and to try it. But no, I'm, I'm with you. The watch, apart from every now and again, my watch tells me it's unlocked my phone. I thought, where's my phone then? I haven't put that anywhere. Yes, it's <laughs> very handy convenient so and that issue of the slight less security does bother me so yeah 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 i'm always a little leery about lessening security but 
So that's, your, that's all iOS 15.4. The beta 2 is out now. Again, if you want to do the public betas, you can jump on those. Obviously, features like tap to pay are not available just yet, but you could try the Face ID with mask unlock and the shortcuts notifications turning off. This episode is brought to you by Grammarly. Guys, I love Grammarly. I use it literally every day in so much of my writing work. Listen, it's 2022. It's still early in the year. Maybe you're applying for new jobs. Maybe you're trying to get better at your current job or better at content creation work. Well, having a tool like Grammarly will help you write and work more efficiently. Grammarly is more than just spelling and grammar checker. It's an all-in-one writing tool that allows you to clearly and effectively communicate your ideas. Grammarly has a free tier and then premium features which can save you time and give you confidence knowing your writing is professional. Like I said, I use Grammarly pretty much every day, and I use Grammarly when I write the articles for Apple Insider and the weekly podcast post. I can paste it right into Grammarly. It tells me a score, kind of overall, how good of the writing is in this article, and it tells me exactly what to change. You get some great grammar tips and spell check in the free tier, and then when you upgrade to Grammarly Premium, it tells you about tone adjustments, whether you're using passive or active voice. It'll recommend sentences to rewrite for clarity. It can help you cut unnecessary words and jargon and help you say what you mean in an appropriate tone. You know, I did pretty good in English in high school and college, but I never quite got the active and passive voice. And when I write, I want to make sure I'm using the proper tone, the right active voice tone. And Grammarly helps you do exactly that. So get through those emails and your work quicker by keeping it concise, confident, and effective with Grammarly. Go to Grammarly.com slash Apple Insider to sign up for a free account. You could try it totally for free. And when you're ready to upgrade to Grammarly Premium, Get 20% off for being an Apple Insider listener. That's 20% off at Grammarly. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash Apple Insider. Grammarly dot com slash Apple Insider for 20% off. That link will also be in the show description. You can click it there. Our thanks to Grammarly for sponsoring this episode. Now, Bloomberg and Mark Gurman have reported that Apple's first event for the year, that it might be March 8th. It is a Tuesday. It's a typical day of the week for Apple to do a virtual event like this. And the March 8th event might be the iPhone SE 3, the next version of iPad Air, updated all with 5G cellular connectivity, updated chips, all that. And I'm hoping the next iMac Pro, or that larger iMac that we have heard rumored, although last time it might have been delayed, but anyway, it looks like it could be March 8th, so keep your eyes on that date and on AppleInsider.com. We'll let you know as soon as it's official. But uh, William, you know, I always ask you, uh, do you think <laughs> Apple Car, <laughs> March 8th, is it coming? Absolute certainty. This time. Oh, okay, absolute certainty. Okay, okay, very good. Or not. But there we go. Okay, okay, okay. So definitely, but also maybe not. Exactly. Yeah, how okay, much more precise it, can it. you be? Totally, totally makes sense. Very good. Now, speaking of other leaks, Stephen Trotton-Smith, who's a developer, he's very active on Twitter if you follow him there. He actually discovered in some App Store logs a term, a new operating system that was mentioned in the log from Apple, which is Reality OS. And this has actually been seen as early as 2017, about five years ago. There was something in some of the uh, like betas and developer files called ROS, lowercase r, capital OS. Wasn't sure what that was, but now literally Reality OS, the full word has been spelled out in some of these recent App Store logs. And again, it seems to confirm that Apple is obviously actively working on something, some operating system that's going to run on a possible VR or AR headset. And the fact that it's in these App Store logs now, 
Again, we've been looking at this year, Apple might launch or at least announce something. Maybe something would be available as far as a headset later this year, early next year. So I thought it was very interesting. Reality OS doesn't sound very Apple-y to me, but it's in there. It's in their logs. What do you think? It actually makes, it made me flash back to the late 80s. Uh, there is an incredibly obscure programming language called Reality, and it happened to be used, developed as well by McDonnell Douglas. And I got hired to write computer books for them. And on the first day, in the first chat with them, they looked me up and down. They did the whole scan of my face kind of look and said, you look like you need a lesson in reality. <laughs> what? And I truly didn't quite know how to take that till they then explained. And what? they sent me out on a reality programming language course so that I knew where the programmers were coming from. But for just that moment, I thought, <laughs> I've made a mistake coming to this company. What in the world? Yeah. <laughs> Very strange. Actually, I probably had made a mistake. I joined them thinking McDonnell Douglas, aircraft, helicopters. Right, I worked right. on local government software in the UK instead. It was um, mm. a very, very similar uh, kind of oh. subject. <laughs> okay, yeah, sure, sure. I'm excited to see this. If it's a software thing, maybe we'll see it as early as WWDC in June. We are, what is it, February, March, April, May. You're about four, four and a half months away. Ooh. So we'll see. Reality OS. We'll see if that's what it's going to be. So found in the Apple Music beta on Android, which if you didn't know, yes, Apple Music, the app, you can get it on the Android platform. 9to5 Google actually unearthed a bit of code that points to a standalone Apple classical app. Now, if you remember, Apple actually bought the company Prime Phonic, which is a classical music focused app. That's kind of all they did. They didn't stream all the different music. They just did classical music. Apple bought them and it was understood that they're going to release something having to do with specifically classical music. And it looks like this Apple Music beta found in the Google side might actually reveal that's what it's going to be called, Apple Classical App. I'm very curious what they do with this. I would imagine it has to be very different from the current Apple Music app for it to actually be differentiated. And part of the reason is if you listen to classical music, you know, many of the artists and track names are basically useless in the Apple Music app because they're usually very long. <laughs> Symphony, number this, opus this, movement this, and you don't even get to see like the movement in the main track listing because the titles are so long. So I'm very curious how they arrange an app specifically for classical music. And uh, I'm down. I'm, I'm a classical music fan, so I'm, I'm curious about this. I actually didn't realize there was Apple Music app on Android. That could be the thing that makes me swap to Android. Uh, yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> what is interesting to me is you have Apple Music app on Android, which is obviously a services play. You want to, you know, Apple wants a family if there's a child that has an Android phone or whatever, but there's a family sharing plan like an Apple One service subscription. You don't want to be able to use Apple Music on those devices. I think Apple TV app uh, I'm gonna have to look it up real quick. I know you can get the Apple TV app on Chromecast and things like that on smart TVs because Apple wants you to be able to watch that content anywhere. Yep, you can get the Apple TV app on Android also. So with a lot of these services, with a lot of these services type apps like Apple TV, Apple Music, Apple makes the apps for Android. What I am curious about is if Apple will ever make an Apple podcast app for Android. And the reason why is because again, services revenue, when they launched podcast subscriptions mm -hmm. in April of last year, it'll be almost a year. You can do paid subscriptions. We have our paid subscription, $5 a month. You get the ad-free version. You get early access. You get bonus episodes when you do that. And it's specifically an Apple podcast, but there's a whole segment of the market, namely Android users, who cannot subscribe to those subscriptions because there's no Apple podcast app for Android. 
And so I have to imagine that will be coming soon. The only reason they might not is that it's a very small source of revenue when compared to music and the Apple TV content. So I'm, I'm curious. I think, I think they'll do it sometime soon. Funny enough, my mind is still on the classical thing because as well as the names, as the different versions of the same thing. And the, the differences can be so fine. You've got to get down to who recorded it, when, who conducted it, and all this stuff. Yeah, CBSO yeah. versus New York Philharmonic. It's, it's a fascinating one. It'd be interesting to see how Apple brings its kind of, um, the way it has of making thing, complicated things simple, seeing if it manages to pull that off right. with classical as well. So that's where my mind's going on this. Oh, you know what, William? Imagine this event. Oh. Apple announces the Apple classical app just for classical music with lossless audio, oh. and at the same time, announce airpods pro 2 with lossless wireless audio to listen to all that wonderful classical music i feel like that would be a story apple tells at an event or to listen on great speakers in the apple car <laughs> yeah sure sure that too actually this is the first place no you no one's ever heard this before lossless music in the apple car it's coming oh, let's just oh. put that out there all right very good very <laughs> good thing you know, I, w I want to reiterate my desire for Apple to make a larger speaker device, maybe for home theater, but just in general, because I'm in the phase right now of building my new home in the construction phase where I've ran Ethernet, I've run Ethernet cable all over the house. So every Apple TV will be hardwired. It's going to have what? as best internet as it can and ran internet to my office, all that kind of stuff. And the drywall is about to go up, <laughs> but I've been planning speakers for each TV. And there's a couple of TVs where I'm not going to be doing in-ceiling and speakers and all that. It's just too much. It's not like a main viewing venue, we'll say. It's just like bedroom TV or whatever. And so I was looking at the options for virtual, for soundbars. And I want a good soundbar because soundbars range from not very good to incredible. And the one that's the most tempting, Andrew has reviewed it. We've talked about it on HomeKit Insider is the Sonos Arc, which is a very high quality soundbar. Also pretty expensive. It's like $800, $900, but it does Dolby Atmos. You can pair it with the Sonos subwoofer for really good sound. I've listened to one in a Best Buy and it did sound really, really good, but it has AirPlay 2. So you can AirPlay 2 to it, but it doesn't have Siri. Hmm. If you want to do any kind of voice activation or tell it to play any music, you have to use the Amazon assistant, not Siri. And Apple allows Siri to be put in third-party devices like the Ecobee thermostat has Siri. You can say the magic words for Siri to talk to your thermostat, but Sonos has not brought it to the soundbar. And so I would love a soundbar or home theater type speaker, or at least a higher quality speaker than the HomePod mini, where I can ha use that with a TV and then still use Siri. And that's what I'm hoping for. I don't know if Apple's going to do it, but that's my hope. I was talking about Ethernet cables. I did actually, I once I lived in a house where I had bothered to put Ethernet cable to the Mac. And then when we moved, there was because of deadline pressures and things, we actually got somebody in to help us with the move. And I can still see the poor man's face at the top of our stairs holding a cable he'd accidentally snapped. Oh! It was just, oh. I mean, it was so sweet and funny. And you couldn't use the cable again, different house, different lengths as well. But the, yep. in his face, it was just uh, stuck with me. Yeah, I, I am hoping as the drywall people put all the drywall up that they make sure not to close up a cable that I've pulled through a box. <laughs> yes. Just I don't know. Just, I'm a little afraid <laughs> or some like you're saying raw clip or a cut. I'm just hoping none of that happens. So we'll we'll see. Wait, 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 wait. So you're not doing your own drywall thing. 
God. Well, no. amateurs. No, no, no. I, I don't I, I've uh, traded out my own shower head because the Nebby by Mo and Spa shower. But other than that, no. Okay. <laughs> to, no, listen to, to me, though. Drywall thing. I'm clearly the expert yeah, um, sure. on this. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I did my entire house. Oh, wow. Check. That's impressive. That's very impressive. Nobody will ever look. No. <laughs> Just keep <laughs> yeah. the Exactly. Well, I wanted to mention Fantastical was updated to version 3.6, and it was very exciting. I actually did a briefing with them. I think you got early access as well. But yeah. Fantastical has brought a new openings feature. That's their term for it, but it's basically a scheduling feature. If you use something like Calendly or even like Squarespace scheduling, where people can book themselves on your calendar kind of thing, that is a feature that Fantastical has now brought to its premium tier. It's not another app. It's not some additional thing you have to get. It's built right into Fantastical. So you can have calendar openings that allow people to book themselves on your calendar in slots that you approve, that you open up for that. And they also have a feature called Proposals, which I thought was super cool, where if you're trying to schedule a meeting and you have multiple people that are going to be a part of it, you can send multiple times and propose it to everyone via email. The other people don't have to use Fantastical. They just click a link, it loads in a web browser and they can choose a time. And then you can even, like people can recommend other times. So really cool features. I really like how Fantastical is positioning itself as kind of a like business suite of scheduling and meetings. I thought it was pretty cool. What'd you think about it, William? I think all the new stuff is tremendous. Uh, I was doing it to test it out and then I started to realize, no, this actually helps me with what I need to do. So I've been using it uh, in reality, if you see what I mean. Mm. I, I think Fantastical has certain issues. One of the things I love about Fantastical is that you can set up a meeting. You set an event in your calendar and you can say, this is a Zoom meeting. And if you have a Zoom account, Fantastical goes off, gets all the details and instantly comes with the link. So you don't have to go into Zoom to find that and bring it. It's in the event, it's sent out to everybody. But there's a limit that actually Fantastical doesn't tell you about. Zoom only allows you to do that with one computer and one phone. So as soon as I had two Macs, Fantastical was giving me error message after error message saying about logging in and things. And I had to go to their support people to find out the answer. And the answer is you can't do it. You have to oh. unlink it on one Mac. So there are like these little edge case limits. But as far as I've seen so far, there's a couple of things I would like Fantastical to do more with what it's just done now but how it's done it i think is so smooth so simple yeah. i used to use doodle.com and forget that now this is so much better in every possible way so yeah i'm quite the fan yeah most same of it. Yeah. i use fantastical everywhere iphone mac all that kind of stuff but the big question for me is william <laughs> do you have your weeks starting on sunday or monday no what i have my week starting on saturday what <laughs> wait a minute wait a because minute. radio times magazine which is the uk's equivalent of uh tv guide and also uh, its main rival tv times they start their week on a saturday and they have done so since 1969 and since i worked for radio times off and on for about 15 20 years or so it's burned into me saturday is the first day of the week oh my god okay all right Yes. And Fantastical lets me do that uh, in the main uh, app. <laughs> right. I was going to say, because I don't think the stock calendar app lets you do Saturday as the no. week start. Because no one in their right mind would do that, William. <laughs> no one. Okay. Here's what I need. I, I need all of our listeners. This is the fourth. This is the fourth hundredth <laughs> episode. I need you all to get on Twitter.com. You can make a free account, even if you don't have one. You, you tweet it, William and myself. I'm Stephen Robles. Yeah. He's W Gallagher. Our Twitter handles are in the show notes. And I, if there is anyone else out there 
that starts their week on a Saturday, please tweet at us. And also, you can also tweet at us and tell William how he's wrong and how at least starting on Sunday is okay. Monday is the most superior day on which to start a week in a calendar app. But that's just me. I mean, I, I could actually wear Monday. Monday, I started the working week. I could understand. I will never do it. I can understand it. Sunday feels like it's neither one thing nor the other. You're just making this stuff up. Well, and Sunday, <laughs> it's like half of the weekend. When you, when you start your week on Sunday, you got Sundays way over on the left and Saturdays way over on the right. I mean, unless your work schedule specifically is like you are starting your work week on a Sunday or ending on a Sunday, which here in the U.S. I think is pretty rare. Why would you do that? Monday. It's a great day to start a week. So that, wait, just rewind one moment there. Sunday, you say it's, it's halfway through the weekend. Yes. So it's halfway through the weekend. It's not halfway through the week. It's not the start of the week. It's not the start of the weekend. You are the one who's just insane. Me? About no, this. no, no, no. Yes. No. Has somebody hurt you? No, is this I can this listen. Is coming from? There's going to be so much engagement on this topic. I need everyone. We're, we're going to do a, uh, well, I'll recap uh, next week and see who it is. The next time <laughs> William is on, we'll, we'll let him know. But man. Saturday. That, that is something. I mean, at least your weekend is still together when you started on yes, Saturday. Yeah, I get it's that. sensible. Yeah, if I have a weekend event, it's together. It's not right. one half on the left of the exactly, screen, exactly. one half on the other yeah. side of the screen, and you know how wide the screen is. Yeah, no, yeah. no, no, no. At no. least we agree on that. Okay, very good. Okay. This episode is brought to you by Masterclass. With Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best minds anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. You can learn about scientific thinking from Neil deGrasse Tyson and astronaut Chris Hadfield. You can learn about astronomy. You can learn acting from Samuel L. Jackson. And one of my favorite courses, you can learn the art of negotiation with Chris Voss. With over 100 classes from a range of world-class instructors, that thing you've always wanted to do is closer than you think. And like I mentioned before, I have to recommend that class with Chris Voss, The Art of Negotiation. He was the lead international FBI hostage negotiator. I read his book, Never Split the Difference, but his course on Masterclass will set you up for success. And I love Masterclass because you can watch it on any device. You can get the app on your iPhone, your iPad, even your Apple TV, or just watch it in the web. One of my favorite things to do is do it on the iPhone app. Then you can flip it into audio-only mode and listen to it just like a podcast. The cinematography, audio, and video is beautiful. I love the Hans Zimmer course about music composition for film. And if you do a class like a cooking class, you get high-quality downloadable materials like PDFs that is basically like a high-quality cookbook. Lessons are just 10 to 15 minutes in length, so you can do one on a lunch break or binge an entire class in an evening. I highly recommend you check it out, and you can get unlimited access to every masterclass. And as an Apple Insider listener, you get 15% off an annual membership. So go to masterclass.com slash Apple Insider and get 15% off an annual membership. That's masterclass.com slash Apple Insider. The link is also in the show description. You could just click it there. Our thanks to Masterclass for sponsoring this episode. So I wanted to mention, I got new iPads for my kids. I had ordered them in early December. And with all the supply chain issues and such, I just got them last week, like February 4th. Oh, no, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. I've got to, I've got to ask. Yeah. Did you get them as Christmas presents and have had very disappointed kids <laughs> for a long time? We, AirPods were the Christmas gift. Nah. The iPads, I was like, I'm going to order these iPads. And if they come in in time, I will position them as Christmas gifts. If not, I'll position them as school devices. <laughs> and the main reason is because both of their iPads were completely full. Storage was at 0.01 megabytes free, and they were just getting real buggy. That was more <laughs> That was more the real reason. 
But yeah, two months, took two months for those to come in. But I will say, new uh, base model iPad, very nice. Both my kids, one was coming from a generation six, which was still the 9.7 inch screen. So he got a screen size increase. My other son was coming from a generation seven. So he, even he got two generations newer because the newest one is the ninth generation. They'd noticed the speed difference for sure, but most of all the storage because base model is 64 gigabytes on the new ones. Their models were both 32. And so they feel like they have all the space in the world. And I'm like, you're going to fill that up in like a week, but at least it's more. <laughs> at least it's more than what you had. So they fill up their iPad and you buy them a new one. After like four years. Four, they were just getting very, very buggy. Uh, all right. <laughs> well, and here's the thing. My one son, well, both of them do this, but my oldest son, he's actually making music. Oh, wow. He is actually, you can actually search his name in Apple Music and he has multiple songs there. That's fantastic. Yeah. And he, yeah. he's using GarageBand and other loop making apps to literally make music. And then he's writing like rap lyrics and recording them himself. And he likes to publish them. And so I use a website called TuneCore and you can publish the music on Apple Music and Spotify. It goes everywhere when you put it up there. It's not too expensive. It's like $20 to like publish an album and have it go to all the streaming services. Oh, right. So he has music on there. And so I want to encourage the music creation. And that's a lot of what the space gets taken up with is these recordings. And if he tries to download loops, you know, you can, that could be gigabytes of stuff just for the sounds mm. in GarageBand or other apps. So I wanted to encourage it. I didn't spring for the 256 gigabyte because I'm like, let's be reasonable here. <laughs> like these are, these are base model iPads, you know, maybe in a couple of years, I'll upgrade them to like an iPad Air or something that's, you know, nicer. But but 32 to 64 gigabytes is a massive difference in their world. So mm. <laughs> it was, yeah, that, that was a fun, a fun thing to, to, to give them. I also wanted to mention, have you had any experience using an eSIM? Is that something that the UK has? E-electronics? Uh, I'm sh I think we do, but I never have. No, I'm, I'm terribly curious about how this works. It seems a good idea. Yeah, you know, this was announced a couple of years ago. I think it was the iPhone 12, maybe? That was the first one to support eSIM. Maybe it was the 11. But with eSIM, you don't need a physical SIM card. It's just an electronic SIM that you can sign up with a carrier right from your phone. And so I'd wanted to try Mint Mobile here in the US. They were a sponsor last year, I think, and wanted to try them again. And they didn't support eSIM at the time, but now they do here in the US. So you can actually just download the Mint Mobile app and they do a seven day free trial and it installs the eSIM right from the app. It took like 20 seconds. The eSIM was installed. And then immediately I had like double cellular bars in my carrier uh, like area in the status bar of my iPhone. And when I swiped down, it would tell me, here's the AT&T reception. Here's the Mint Mobile reception. And then you can set it to either choose the fastest connection wherever you are. So your iPhone will just see like, which is the faster cellular connection? I will use that one. Or you can specify just use this one for cellular data or just use the second line. And in the same way, you can actually specify primary and secondary phone lines all the way down per contact. So you could say, when I call this contact, give them my secondary phone line. Or when I call this one, give them my primary. And the iPhone is very good to tell you whether you're texting from or calling or receiving a call from either the primary SIM card number or the secondary. And so it was a really cool experience. And if someone wants like a business line or something, the eSIM is a great option. The ways, the tools to manage it on the iPhone are really good. The only thing that 
they don't have at least mint mobile with the eSIM or they don't have this at all in no matter what kind of SIM you do, but they don't do the Apple Watch cellular plans. So with AT&T, you can pay for $10 a month. You get the data plan for Apple Watch. It syncs to your phone number, you know, and then you can use the Apple Watch even if your phone's not around because it has a cellular data connection. Well, Mint Mobile doesn't support Apple Watch cellular data. And I don't know of, you know, MVNOs like Mint. I don't know if they do that because there's weird carrier stuff that has to happen with the cell phone number syncing and all that. And I do that. I pay for the cellular on my Apple Watch Series 7. So I can't switch to Mint. But others of you out there, if you want to try it, it's pretty cool just to try the free trial. So yeah, eSIM works great. Okay, so I do want to mention that Apple actually received six nominations for the Academy Awards in their Apple TV Plus original content. Coda, the movie, got nominated for Best Picture. The Tragedy of Macbeth got nominated for Best Actor with Denzel Washington. And those two movies actually got a number of other nominations for cinematography for Macbeth, production design, all that kind of stuff. So I think it's very cool. Apple's getting nominated for Academy Awards. I've not seen it yet, but William, have you seen The uh, Tragedy of Macbeth yet? No, I keep lining it up to play and then something else comes in. Yeah. I mean, I've got the scripts to It and Coda um, and I'll, I'll, I'll enjoy reading those. But at some point, I think uh, Tragedy Macbeth on the scripts originally just called Macbeth. So I keep thinking of it as that. It looks stunning. And I'm very curious to know whether that sustains or is it just it looks great or does it? Yeah. The script is actually mostly Shakespeare's own dialogue. So it's quite a, a slow read uh, for it. So I think it's a reverential thing done in a gorgeous new way so i'm quite excited to see it and i'm not surprised the things it won for are cinematography and production design and as soon as i said that i thought yeah that's the obvious film yeah. to win for those just from the little bit i've seen so far now i will say i watched swan song which was the apple tv plus original movie with mahershala ali and that was incredible have you seen swan song no I've actually i've missed this entirely what's which one is that it came out december like mid-December, and it was right around the same time that like Spider-Man No Way Home came out. <laughs> so kind of, I don't think it, it got buried, but not a lot of people saw it. But uh, Swan Song, it's an Apple TV Plus original movie. It has Glenn Close, Mahershala Ali, and it is quite, quite the movie. It is a, I don't know if sci-fi is the right word, but it's science fiction. And the premise, this is not a spoiler, but the premise is that this organization is able to clone people and make the clone exactly like the original person, including all the memories and the premises that Mahershala Ali's character, Cameron, is terminally ill and they, he is debating whether or not to swap the clone with him and his family would never know the difference. Oh. And if he dies of a terminal illness, he is sick in the movie that the family won't ever know and they'll just have the father and husband there the rest of their lives. And so the movie is wrestling with that whole idea. But I, I thought it was very, very good. Mm. I, I'd be curious your thoughts on it, William. I'm intrigued. But have you been following the after party? <laughs> you know, no, no. I saw, I saw it, but I have not tried it. Have you seen it? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the next episode. I'm, I'm invested. Really? Uh, it took me a while. I liked the first one enough to try the second, but then during the second, I got hooked. And the third one is a musical, and it's so well done. Uh, yep, yeah, I'm on side now. I want to know what's happening. William, I don't... Okay, I don't understand your taste, uh, I don't think. Because I get Arrival, you know, you have your yeah. tradition, you watch it every yeah. Christmas, I think it's an excellent movie, love it. Mm -hmm. You don't like Ted Lasso, 
even yeah. though you haven't seen it. You just read the script, but that's fine. Yeah, there's more to it than that, but okay, yes, yes. <laughs> I know, I know. And then After Party, of all the Apple TV Plus original things I thought you would see, I would not have thought you would have gone for After Party. What what made you want to watch it? Did you see a trailer or something? Uh, the whole idea that it was a Rashomon-style story. It's one story told from several different points of view, and I like that form. Oh, uh, okay. Plus, then I heard that it was going to be each episode is in a different... Uh, genre and actually it's a lot subtler than that sounds um after the second episode i was thinking so which genre is that it's not as over the top as it sounded like it was going to be but i think that works it makes it one cohesive whole but then when you did have the musical in it uh, it flew so yes (laughs) and some really good gags along the way okay all right very good did you see the movie the last duel no I haven't even... Adam Driver and Matt Damon? No. That is... It tells the story the same way. It's actually based on a true story from like medieval France. Oh, right. And it tells... It tells the story from the three perspectives of some of the main characters. It was it was very good. It's it's a tough movie. It's got some heavy themes, but if you like that kind of storytelling, I think you would like it. I'll look for it. In that case, let me counter that with a completely light one. There's an episode of Leverage, the original version of Leverage, which is it's actually called the Rashomon Job, and it is a scream. It is so well done. It is an <laughs> utter delight, start to finish. Okay. It's the same story told five or six times, and yet you could. You could keep going. It's so fresh all the way through. Oh, wow. I'd not heard of that one. Okay. All right. Very good. So I did want to mention this happened late last week after we recorded, but Facebook had its earnings call or what would what would be the opposite of earnings? <laughs> it's losses call. It's, <laughs> it's uh, indebtedness yes. call. And basically Facebook lost a bunch of money after its earnings call. I think $200 billion loss of valuation in like one afternoon after that call and mark zuckerberg blaming a lot of it on the app tracking transparency features that apple launched with ios was it 14 or 15 14 well it came in it was announced for 14 and it did come in 14 but quite a long way into it so right right Yeah, yeah, almost a year ago. And so Facebook is basically blaming that for being this huge loss in revenue. I thought that was hilarious. John Gruber had some some articles about it, but I tweeted kind of tongue in cheek, but I basically said something like the business model, meaning Apple, that respects privacy is winning out and Facebook is not. And a bunch of people tweeted back about, you know, the business models and maybe that doesn't exactly apply. Jason Aten, I would love to talk to him about it because he said he has some thoughts. Listeners, let me know if you'd love to hear like a bonus episode or something on this specifically. I think it's interesting that Facebook, whose entire business model is selling ads. I mean, think about it. You don't pay Facebook for anything, but if you want to run ads on their platforms, you don't pay for WhatsApp or Instagram or Facebook. You don't pay to use any of those. So their business model is advertising, just like Google. I mean, Google's main profit center is advertising, but Facebook is probably the most egregiously privacy invasive of those platforms. If you look at oh, Google no, or no, Amazon. That, that's harsh. It's not like Facebook has ever had security leaks, data leaks, sold information <laughs> like that. You're just being a needless cruel. See, I, listen, I'm saying if you compare Amazon, Google, and Facebook, I think Google and Amazon at least ride the balance beam of privacy versus not to be able to advertise effectively, but not totally invade everything and steal all of your data. Whereas Facebook, I think, is less uh, gracious in that area. 
And so I think it's interesting that even though they have over a billion users of their services, that they are the ones losing money. And while Apple's business model is different, Apple makes money by selling hardware, a main selling point of that hardware is the software that Apple develops. And if you want to talk about what kind of company is Facebook, Facebook is a software company with advertising as the profit driver, but software is their platforms. They make the apps, they make the services, they make the social networks. And so when it comes to that, the company that is building privacy into their platforms is being successful monetarily, namely Apple, and the platform that is sacrificing privacy in their software development which is Facebook, is losing money. And so I just think that is an interesting comparison of these two business models and how privacy directly affects both of them. Namely, Facebook does not abide by the privacy and Apple is really making privacy a main concern. There was an interview with Renee Ritchie where um, Neuenschwander from Apple, you know, he did a whole interview about privacy stuff. So anyway, I just thought it was interesting. If you want to hear a longer conversation about it, listeners, let me know. But William, did you have any thoughts about this? Were you just cackling as you saw Facebook's <laughs> stock tanking? I don't cackle. But I, it did occur to me that Mark Zuckerberg basically saying, um, Apple has stopped spying on you, therefore we've lost money. It may be not the greatest defense for a, a <laughs> lack of revenue. I, mm, yeah, yeah. You know. I will say I do set up Facebook ads for some clients because when it comes to someone who has a very small budget for marketing, the fact that you can target, even if it's just age and location demographics, like that's a huge benefit to target an ad, especially if you're a physical business, you know, you, know, you want people to come to your stores. So I've set up Facebook ads for people and I did it recently, I think last week. And it was interesting that you used to have a lot more options for targeting demographics in the Facebook advertising dashboard just like a lot you know that's what there's lots of interests that you can choose for some of it like travel or cruising or you know food or whatever like very specific and now when you go into it probably because of the app tracking transparency changes facebook actually tells you there's like a warning banner at the top that says many of the targeted many of the interests that you used to be able to target are no longer available and I imagine it's because they simply don't have some of that data anymore to know mm -hmm. if people have specific interests. So again, talking about business models, one that is based on invading enough privacy to <laughs> nail your interests down exactly, I think it's telling that it is not doing well. That's all. They were very good at it, though, in their day. They Excellent. You know, nobody better, really. <laughs> no. 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 Nobody better at knowing weird details about your life. That's yes. absolutely right. No one better. All right, well, we want to end the show with a couple questions on our 400th episode. I tweeted really late, so we only got a couple questions in, but I want to hit them. So Ricardo Cardona on Twitter asked us, with Apple's history of supporting macOS upgrades on Intel Macs for seven plus years after ship date, how long do you think or hope M1 Macs or Apple Silicon Macs will receive future macOS releases? I thought this was an interesting question. Mm. What do you think we're going to go with Apple Silicon? You would imagine it'd be something similar, but there's a great, there's this big complication. The elephant, nobody's talking about the fact that Apple is clearly going to give up on Apple Silicon and go back to these new Intel older Lake things that are just so much better. And then, no, you no, know, no. the whole transition starts again. Who knows how it can be? Mm -hmm. It's a great question because it never even entered my head. Actually. Um, and it's how long am I going to stick with these Macs? Well, probably quite a long time. So I hope it'll be a long time. Seven years. Sounds nice. Yes, Apple, please make it seven years. Well, I'm trying to see. So the iPad fifth generation was introduced in 2017. That was five years ago. 
iPad Air 2 was released 2014. So that's so, so that's also seven years ago. I don't know. I think Macs will get more release dates than like iPads. I'll say eight years, eight to nine years, I think of updates. I think the M1 is powerful enough, you know, because we're looking at iPads that were running older chips, you know, the iPad Air 2. I don't even know what chip that was running, but you know, the M1 is much more powerful today than whatever was running the iPad Air 2. So yeah, I would say eight to nine years. I think it'll get a little more longevity for sure. So I'm saying seven, please. And you're saying eight or else. Um, We should, uh, (laughs) let's reconvene in 2030 on episode 4,000 or whatever it would be and see who's right. Okay. Yes, we, we will see. We will see. And his last question is from Andrew Matthews on Twitter. For the next Apple Watch or maybe even AirPods Pro, will we see some sort of body temperature as being the next sensor that will be added? It's an interesting question. This was the rumor that if Apple adds another sensor, you know, probably not ready for glucose monitoring yet on the Apple Watch. The tech is just not there yet. So what will come out if there's a new health sensor? And of all the sensors, Apple has released those pretty much with every Apple Watch. I think the Apple Watch Series 7 did not get any new health sensors. So the fact that the Apple Watch Series 7 was skipped for any new health features like that, I think we will see a new health sensor in the next Apple Watch. And from all the rumors and leaks, it does look like body temperature would be the most likely sensor. I don't see AirPods Pro getting there just yet. I know we've had some rumors of health features coming to AirPods Pro too, but I really think Apple Watch has been positioned as the health device from Apple. And so I think it's, I think we will see body temperature sensing on the next Apple Watch. What do you think, William? Well, until you said that about Apple Watch being positioned as health, I was thinking, no, uh, because temperature measurement in the ear is very common for it. So the AirPods go in the ear. But no, I think you're right. Actually, you've, you've persuaded me there. Apple will put it in the watch first. Um, yeah. If And maybe only. Good point. Mm. If they add it to the AirPods Pro, I'm curious the scenario if someone has AirPods Pro, but no Apple Watch, so they don't really have all the other health data. Because I feel like, you know, the activity app, I don't think that appears on your iPhone until you pair an Apple Watch. Like, I don't think you can just get the activity app on your iPhone without some kind of Apple Watch paired, because then it doesn't measure stand and move data. So you don't even get that app without the Apple Watch. Now, I guess you could do it where that app appears when you pair some AirPods Pro. But I don't see that happening. I really think that the health stuff is reserved for the watch. And maybe AirPods Pro could aid in sensing things. You know, if you got a temperature sensor on the watch and AirPods Pro, that it could do some kind of like cross-checking and see how accurate it is. But yeah, I think Apple Watch. I think we'll see it then. All right, William, will you have any other final thoughts for our 400th episode? 400th? Only, what's this activity thing you talk about? I, I haven't looked at that i don't know i see you completing workouts all the time william don't play coy with me i see them there it's my name but it's not me doing it so you know oh i see uh, that's how that works okay okay oh you'd like tied it to an animal or something right i hire people on a rotating (laughs) basis instead of hiring a trainer you hire an activity uh (laughs) deception person basically more efficient that's the way i look at it yeah i want to see that deal go down listen i need you to run for 30 minutes okay it's going to send a notification (laughs) to this guy in the states and i know it doesn't make any sense but (laughs) i need you to do it uh well again william thank you listeners thank you and everyone from apple insider the staff and victor marks for being on the show for several years for wes mike 
Everyone, 400 episodes. It's awesome. We're looking forward to many more episodes. And listeners, let us know what you want to hear about. We'd love to hear from you. If you could leave us a five-star rating review in Apple Podcasts, you can tweet at William and myself. Don't forget, tell us what day of the week your calendar starts on. And Saturday. Why... Saturday. <laughs> and why is Saturday wrong? Uh, we need oh. you to tweet that as well. <laughs> and then you can support the show to get an ad-free, uninterrupted version, early access, and some bonus episodes. $5 a month in either Apple Podcasts directly or patreon.com slash Apple Insider as well. If you want all the chapters and stuff, do the Patreon because I can actually upload MP3s there. Uh, Apple Podcast does not let me upload MP3s to the subscription side. Hopefully one day soon that will be updated. And don't forget to check out HomeKit Insider. I'm covering all my new home construction over there. Comes out every Monday. We actually had Jennifer Tui from The Verge on the last episode. That was a fun interview. You can check that out. HomeKit Insider. There's a link in show notes as well. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.